Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality Hangouts and Headlines Edition. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan, which still sounds a little bit too fancy for something that starts with the word hangouts. We'll work on that introduction. That's the introduction I've done for four years uh, in a different capacity at Virtual Legality proper. But because our guest today has a limited amount of time, she is a busy working attorney uh, which I know too well to be so difficult when we're doing these kinds of appearances. We're going to just jump in to talking about the headlines today, but please do join me in wishing a warm welcome to Natalie, the lawyer chick. Natalie, how are you doing this morning? I'm great. Thank you. How are now, you? Is, I'm good. This is a special circumstance. You are the second guest. I know we have panelists on, and in fact, I think we've had you on uh, this particular channel to talk about other people's headlines. But you are now in the I wrote this slot, which one I think is very, very, very cool. Um, and I very much enjoyed your piece. That's why we're going to go over it today. Uh, and, you. and you can offer us some insight as to what you're thinking, a little bit of history on how this thing got done. Uh, but uh, that does mean I like to tell folks my biases are self-evident on this. Right. So we analyze this stuff closely. I'll probably ask you some questions on, on what you say. Uh, in this particular piece, but I know you. Thankfully, I got to meet you during this particular trial, and I oh, love your content. I tell folks, you. Uh, you know, you're, you're secretly one of my favorites, uh, and uh, we don't have to share that with anybody else on, on YouTube. But <laughs> just all uh, these people here. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Nobody will see this. That's the beauty. We're not broadcasting this out to the world for anybody that wants to click on it. That's not. It's not a thing that's happening. Uh, but that when I saw this go up. Um, it took me no time at all to, to retweet it and recommend it to folks to, to check out because I think it is so, so interesting. So let's start out with doing doing the stuff that gets people to, to know who you are. Who are you? What is your channel? And then we'll talk about how this piece came to be. Okay. Well, my name is Natalie. I am a criminal defense attorney. I have been practicing for, I think, 12 years or almost 12 years is the better way to put it. Uh, and I just as a little bit of like professional back background I started out in the public defender's office. I did that for five years. Then for nice. two years, I did uh, workers' compensation law, hated that, went back <laughs> to the public defender's office. And really, my hat goes off to everyone who does workers' compensation. It's it's a, it, it's a it's tough. It's a very nuanced area of law. Uh, the people that are there are super smart. Uh, it's just not for me. Now, criminal defense is my passion. So nice. I went back uh, to being a public defender in 2017, and I have been doing that ever since. So the bulk of my practice is uh, trial experience, and most of my cases now are felony-level trials. So that's like murders and carjackings, robberies, things like that. Those are the type of cases I normally take. Yeah. Um yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> and I, I represent indigent people, so people that can't afford uh, legal representation. Um, I started my YouTube channel actually in 2000 and uh, maybe nine, 2010, somewhere around there. But it was just a hair and makeup channel. And when, once I started law no school, yeah, like it was, just, <laughs> it was just hair and makeup, right? Nice. And um, I, I think like I started law school in 2000 and eight is when I started law school and then graduated in 2010 because I did accelerated program. And once I graduated from law school, I kind of just let the channel go because, you know, I didn't have time. Right. Struggling sure. lawyer. Oh, uh, I know young first year associate, early law school graduate. Yeah, with that. It was just tough. It was just tough. So um, 
Then uh, fast forward to uh, like 2019, uh, right before the pandemic hit, this woman sued me based on some commentary that I made on Facebook for defamation. And she uh, brought the action in the state of California. And uh, she lost. I, I won. I represented myself. And uh, I got really, really interested in the law and the internet space. And so I shared my experience on my old YouTube channel. Uh, then that led me to revamp my old YouTube channel. Then I started commenting on sovereign citizens um, <laughs> sure. and First Amendment auditors and celebrity uh, gossip and how that interacts with the law. And then it just kind of went from there. And it's been like a steady slog since 2019. I've gone from, I think, 4,000 subscribers from 2009 to 2019 to now almost, we're very, very close, 100,000 subscribers. You're very, very close. Well, folks, you yeah. know what to do. We'll talk about it more as we go on. Absolutely. Uh, but that's awesome, Natalie. Um, uh, yeah, I, that's, I, I love that it was hair and makeup to begin with, because I think the very yeah. first things on this channel are me talking about like Star Wars and <laughs> and the Avengers? Yeah, because I'm you know I'm a total nerd. Uh, so yeah, it's it's interesting to see how these things kind of grow and what are we going to talk about? Okay, this is stuff that's interesting. This is stuff that actually yeah. people like, and 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 growing from there. But uh, I think your stuff is fantastic, and I really Thank do you. tell people go check her out. She's got fantastic stuff that she's talking about, and. Honestly, you know, public defense, felony stuff. Your 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 life is real serious outside of YouTube. <laughs> yeah, that's um, like you know, I don't take anything on YouTube too too seriously because my real job is super serious. <laughs> no joke, no joke. That is great stuff that you're doing, and I think I've mentioned this on a stream with you before. But I I never I never did public defense work. It is one of the things that my father, who is a lawyer, uh, always told me was one of the more um, satisfying parts of his career. Uh, so I think that is awesome. Um, now, I do want to talk to you because I, I do know we have limited time because of that seriousness um, about, you know, how how this came to be. So yeah. you're, you're out here writing a very well written, very well argued opinion editorial thing. You're putting it on Medium. How what made you decide to do this? OK, so uh, the Friday and I believe it was June 2nd, after the conclusion of the Depp v. Heard trial. Right, it finished on the 1st, right? Yeah. Right, so it finished on the 1st, so I wrote this uh, Twitter thread on June 2nd. Now, just as a little bit of background, at the time, I maybe had like 10,000 Twitter followers, and I had never gotten anything more than like 10,000 likes on anything, and that was super rare. Usually, it's five or six likes. No one cares about <laughs> what I'm tweeting, right? And I've tweeted tweet threads before doesn't matter. But a lot of the times when I have something that I cover on YouTube, when I'm moving on to something else, I'll do a tweet thread explaining it. Like I did an investigative series on this guy called Darius Williams. And so I did a tweet thread when I was basically done with that series saying like, this is what we found out about Darius Williams. I see. Right? Okay. So yeah. So this is just something that I did, you know, on my own at six o'clock in the morning, my time, as you can see, in a second. <laughs> I do. And, <laughs> yeah. So I started it at like 6 a.m. I'd done a little research earlier in the in the day because I wake up really, really early to get things done. And then I write this tweet thread and I go on about my life. And then the tweet thread goes for me viral, right? 39,000 likes is a oh, lot. I've never had 
that That's many hard. likes on anything. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> never, never. Cause someone was like, well, maybe you should check your facts before you make a viral tweet thread. And I was like, no one makes a viral tweet thread. That like, is the truth, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like most of like, shouting into the darkness. I don't yeah, know. I was like, I thought I was speaking into the void. Nobody cares about what I have to say. So, um, interestingly enough so then someone retweets it with a negative uh take on what i had to say and that i think expanded it more into the twitter sphere either you agreed with me or you disagreed with me sure so that friday evening uh someone from a major publication i'll just say that okay. reached out to me asking um would i write an op-ed on my opinion because it was kind of counter to the opinions that have been placed in the in mainstream media Mm -hmm. And I was an attorney. And so they thought that I had some interesting insight. And they asked me to, to answer three questions um, about, you know, why I felt the way that I felt based on my experience and from watching the trial. And so I said, OK, fine. Give me until Sunday to do this because I'm busy. I can't do it in one day. And they also gave me a word limit of, I think, 800 to 1,000 words. And I was like, OK, fine. So I do it. I write the thing within the parameters that they set for me. And then I submitted to them on Sunday, as I said that I would. They asked me some questions about my qualifications. I sent them, you know, proof that I'm actually an attorney and not like some <laughs> crackpot out here. What's well, nice about the major media publications at least checking on that? At least checking. Yeah, that was not, you know, like I was like, hmm, I, I actually kind of appreciate that because I literally could just be lying. There's no way to know. Um, and so I sent them like showing them like this is my attorney number and this is where I'm listed and I am an attorney and I've been doing it for this long and. You know, and I told them about the defamation case that I was involved in, and that's what got my interest going in defamation law. And so I have I have some personal experience, and I've done a lot of research on this area. So anyway, they um say on Monday, sorry, we know that we reached out to you, but we decided that we're not going to go with this. So we had a very heated debate about your piece, and I think it's well written, but we're not going to use it, right? And I was like, okay, I, you know, I was hurt. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, my yeah. feelings are like, eh. you know, like, I've spent a lot of time on this well, That's thing, your but... stress and labor, right? I mean, yeah, like, it's right. not easy to write these things. Right. So um, a couple of friends of mine said, why don't you shop it to other, and they, even the publication said, try it with another publication. They may take it. It's really well written. So I said, okay, um, maybe I'll do that. But then I started reading the other publications and they all had a similar bent to what this other publication had, which was pro-herd. And sure. I said to myself, I'd be climbing an uphill battle, battle here. I think that's what the ultimate problem is, is that I'm too counter to the narrative. So I said, I'll just publish it myself and the news cycle moves on. So I think I should hurry up and publish it before no one cares about this anymore. So I published it on Medium. I had published on Medium one time previously and that had a good amount of traction so i said okay i can do that i do that i share it it gets a good amount of engagement on social media the very next day a couple of friends of mine who are co-workers of mine we have a group chat and they two or three of them send me this and they say this article from above the law so they're all attorneys that's why they're reading it above the law saying oh you published your article in above the law and I was like, because they'd also read my tweet thread and my article. And I was like, no, I haven't. What are you talking about? So then I start reading the article and I'm like, this is really familiar. And I look at the bottom of the person who wrote it and it's not me. And it's a um, it's a fellow alumnus of my law school. Oh, no, no kidding. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. We went to the same law school. I think I graduated before her, but I know that we went to the same. She went okay. to Carver, so did I. And I was like, what is going on here? So I said, hey, medium, um, I'm not medium, excuse me, above the law. 
Um, I think that your author uh, plagiarized me because this is very similar to my, and I said my article and my tweet thread, because I think a lot of it comes from my tweet thread. So they uh, don't, that does seem closer to me. I, I mean, looking at the two, yeah. it's, it's the Twitter thread. It's the, it's the yeah, it's thread. the tweet thread that is spot on. Um, and so instead of responding to me, uh, they published an editor's note saying, we've got oh, the receipts yes. and she submitted her copy on June 3rd. And I said, again, I told you about my th tweet thread. I gave you a link to my tweet thread. My tweet thread went up on Twitter the day before she submitted her copy. And I was like, and you published your article after I published my Medium article. The similarities are just too gla too glaring. So um, they, and so at first, so then they respond to me again and say, actually, and I, and I, I, when I came back at them with a second email, because I sent them one email and I also tweeted at them and stuff. But when I came back at them with a second email, I said, look, I know that I came in hot here. I get it because I was upset. But yeah. please, like, hear my heart. Hear me as a human being. I spent days writing this out of my schedule. And I had, you know, uh, uh, I put a lot of work and research into the tweet thread. And then I put a lot of, you know, effort into uh, sharing my opinion, opinion in a coherent and cohesive way in the article. And I said, look, she made mistakes in her article that I made in my tweet thread. That's just not likely to be an accident. I was like, and and this, these uh, inconsistencies that I um, put together in a certain way, I put them together in a way because that's how it works in my brain. It's not chronological with how it happened in real life or how it happened in the trial or came up in the trial. And I was like, the research that I put in included me rewatching the trial, reading the transcripts from the UK and rewatching the depositions. That's a lot of labor that I put in and she just republished it in your thing. And so they said, you know, we take this very seriously. We're going to look into it. That was two days ago. I haven't heard anything from them since then. So I have um, contacted, uh, I have retained counsel, I guess. And I'm just going to leave it to her from here on out. But she is like, you know, handling uh, the rest, the rest of it from there. Sure. And always a good move. Sometimes if you feel like you need to, is to go, go hire a lawyer. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so I, first of all, Natalie, I'm very sorry to hear all of that story. And, and probably I think what's going to happen here, folks, is that when Natalie has to go do those various things we talked about, we'll probably look a little bit closer at, at just why this looks problematic. And, you know, we, it's, we, we don't know what we don't know here. Uh, but I, I certainly think that there's a lot of smoke um, for this particular uh, thread and this particular article. We'll probably look at that later. But outside of that nonsense, let's talk about the great writing that you actually did, Natalie. Oh, thank because you. Because it's it's awesome, and I, I think it's a a very uh, it's a very well written, concepted out way for folks, especially non lawyers. To, to look at this situation, right? Because, you know, uh, whether it's on the panel or just you and me talking, we, we can go deep into the weeds on preponderance of evidence and mm. actual malice and how a truthful defamatory statement has an implication if it's read in this kind of way. And we could do all sorts of fun stuff because that's right, fun. Right. Uh, but when you're writing something like this for a major publication or for medium or however it's getting out there, you're not trying to just you know blow people's brains so they don't understand what's going on. And I think this does a great job of breaking down how you can look at this. So yeah. I, I think I'm going to start reading it. And um, I'm going to ask questions if, if they pop up. 
from from your side of things, when we get to a place and, and you want to add anything or additional color, because 800 words is like nothing. So I don't even know how you squeezed it in here. It was hard. Uh, it was, that's why it was so ridiculous <laughs> that they took my article and tweet thread, because if you look at the structure of my article, it's it's to meet a very specific request from that publication. And so out of con out of context, you you looking at the other article wouldn't realize it, but I see it because they asked me to have this word limit and answer yeah. these questions. This other person is answering those questions without the word limit. So they add in some extra things. There is, like, they blew it out yeah. a little bit. Yeah, they, they, they expanded on things I couldn't because I had a word limit. And the things that they expanded on definitely came from my tweet. So it's just like, you had to have written it to know is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I I hear you there. I hear you there, and it's funny, right? Because you have you you have like some some harsh skid stop transitions in here, and I totally yeah. get it because yeah. you've got no words. You can't you can't make it nice. Exactly. Uh, so uh, let's start at the top. In examining the law and the facts, the reason that the jury found in favor of Johnny Depp is clear. Amber Heard was not telling the truth, and I, I you know I like a good opening line. Yeah. Okay, all right, wow, all right. Let's mm -hmm. see what this person has to say. Before the trial began, I paid little attention to the fact that Johnny Depp was suing his ex-wife, Amber Heard, for defamation of character outside of media reports. I had the impression that Depp and Heard were involved in a toxic and dysfunctional relationship. I saw pictures of bruises to Heard's face and assumed that Depp was just one of a growing list of male celebrities exposed for being abusive at the peak of the Me Too movement. And I really like this paragraph because I think basically, as I, I think about where I was coming from when I started watching this trial, this is the same as me. Yeah. You don't at least in my experience, you don't have enough capacity to remember every random news article or every celebrity scandal. And so I had in my head a notion that, well, this was a pretty big deal. Johnny Depp was made fun of in various sitcoms that I had seen for essentially being a bad person. Mm -hmm. This comes from abuse allegations. And like I sit there when we start the trial and say, yeah, I th that's, that's what I know. Um, and honestly, and I think I, certainly while I watch the trial, I don't want to believe that people of either gender, but here a woman would would lie about like such such terrible things. Same. Um, so I, I'm I'm sitting in I'm sitting in and going, okay. I, if I'm being 100 percent honest with myself, I'm probably at least slightly tilted towards believing her rather than not as I start watching the trial. Right. Right. Same. <laughs> when the trial began, I myself was immersed in a double homicide trial. I didn't have time to pay attention to this saga. As the media attention around the trial grew, my subscribers to my YouTube channel, Natalie Lawyerchick, I do like that you got that in, uh, yeah. began to request that I cover the case. So when my own trial was done, I began to catch up on Depp v. Heard. The entire trial was fascinating, but not for the reasons that I expected. So you're busy when this whole thing starts. Right. You're, you're doing other things, some light work in a double homicide trial. Right. Uh, and that means that you're not paying attention to this as it starts. When, when, like when in the trial uh, did you start looking at this in earnest? Is it a couple weeks? Is it still in Johnny Depp's it, case in chief? It was still in Johnny Depp's case. It okay. was week two. So my trial concluded um, at the beginning of week two. Okay. And All right. So, so you're, you're still in the heart of it. We're still in the heart of it. And I was able to catch up 
um, you know, over the weekend and doing like extra hours and things like that. Cause I do everything YouTube outside of normal business hours, obviously. Welcome and, to 7am folks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's what, that's what I did. I, I caught up on it that way, but I, I was a week behind and certainly none of the media hubbub beforehand. It was my subscribers that let me know that this is a big thing that's happening. Why aren't you covering this? And I was like, I am busy. <laughs> I can't, I don't care about them right now. And then once I was done, I was able to catch up. Uh, see, that's awesome. And, you know, sometimes people question, you know, when we say community and things like that. But honestly, we cannot be everywhere, especially if we're otherwise doing legal work. Uh, and you guys are always so helpful for telling us what's important to you. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. It's, it's enormously useful in terms of understanding where you guys are at. Mm -hmm. um, so send those DMs and comments because it really does work. Natalie might not have ever looked at any of this and we wouldn't have this article no. uh, to talk about if, if you didn't bug her. So, <laughs> you know, bug bug your YouTube people. Absolutely <laughs> do. I ask them all the time. What do you want to see next? I don't know what's going on. Tell me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the truth. That's I, mm -hmm. I do say that as well. It's like I cannot be everywhere on the Internet. I have mm -hmm. no idea. So I will do what I find interesting, but you might hate it. So help right. me out. It is exceptionally difficult for a celebrity win a defamation case. I really like this part too, because it, it explaining why this is so hard and why, you know, so many of the lawyers at the front end are saying, it's, I mean, it's actual malice. Right. Uh, this is impossible. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think this paragraph is really, really good. Like all other litigants, Depp had to prove that Heard defamed him by a preponderance of the evidence. Good so far. However, as a celebrity, Depp had the additional burden of proving by clear and convincing evidence that Heard acted with actual malice in defaming him. The jury needed to have a firm belief that Heard made the statements with knowledge that they were false or with a willful disregard for the truth, which is, of course, is the definition you're using here for actual malice. I, you know, I don't know if you found this to be the case with um, other publications, but I, I think that the malice concept is really getting squeezed. Uh, yeah, a lot of the folks that are reporting on this as if it means evil. Um, yes. Yes. So um, I, I actually had this experience where the person who um, retweeted my uh, tweet thread or quote tweeted it and was very harsh and critical towards it. Um, I invited him to a debate on my channel. And so I debated with him. Wednesday night, right? And it, it was, I thought, very productive. But what it came down to was uh, what I still believe is with some legal practitioners, just a general misunderstanding of what the jury instruction said actual malice is, right? They, like you said, I think they're reading it as an evil intent. I want to yes. destroy this person. And I think that that might have been the case here, that she might have wanted to destroy him. But this, what the what the instruction said was, knowledge that the statement was false is just is just, that's all that he has to show or with a willful disregard for the truth but i don't think that we get to the or it's just knowledge that it's false and if she's lying about it then clearly she knew that it was false yeah. and so i think by trying to make in other contexts with other types of statements where like say you're talking about what someone else did uh between two other people um, uh, say you, you say John Doe and Jane Doe are both drunks, right? You yep. might genuinely believe that, but be wrong. So maybe yep. you don't have actual malice because you don't, but if John Doe says of Jane Doe that Jane Doe is a drunk and knows that she's not because he's always with her and it's just those two together, that's actual malice because he has actual knowledge that is false. 
So, you know, they're trying to expand what actual malice means in order to fit the narrative that somehow Johnny Depp got a gimme. But the nature of the relationship was a gimme. All they had to do was believe that she wasn't telling the truth. And then she would have knowledge that it's false. Yep. I I think that's exactly right. And I I, I think it actually took me a couple of weeks to realize halfway through the trial, the way these facts line up is that it's stuff in a room. It's it's you you two the two Together. of you know what happened, and and if and if you disagree, one of you is lying, and that person is acting with malice. Like it's almost not a separate legal question for me because it's malice is understood if whoever one of you is lying about what happened. Um, so yes, I, and I think that's very important. I think you described it exactly right, which is a number of these publications are saying. How, how dare you impugn that she did this deliberately and out of evil intent, much like Elaine trying to suggest in her closing arguments to the jury. But that's not the legal standard. It's, it's not the legal standard. When you're, we probably when you, shouldn't use malice. Honestly, as lawyers, we should probably come up with a different word for this. Yeah, and I think that's what it is. I think it, it, the same thing happened in the Potter trial when it came to the mens rea standard there of, um, uh, what was it? It wasn't negligence. It was something a reckless, Recklessness. It was some weird way that they said negligence, but it didn't really mean negligence. And I'm like, they need to change the name of that standard because when you explain it out, that's not really what it means, right? It's not, it's a higher standard than negligence, you know? So it was very strange and you can confuse people that way, but but the actual way that the jury instruction is written is quite clear. Knowledge that it's false. That's it. And if I'm remembering correctly, that jury instruction also has like before it a little preamble that says uh, actual malice is not how you might think of malice as like a normal word. Um, I think so. That, that, like that was read in. That, like just be clear, we're, we're using legal definitions now. And lawyers, one of the things that we like to do, especially in contract land where I live, is, you know, take a term and define it slightly differently. Yeah. Um, and see if you can get away with something. Depending yeah. on if you're not paying attention to the definition section. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. We probably shouldn't do that to lay juries, but it's a legal thing. Yeah. Uh, Heard's credibility was crucial in deciding whether she defamed Depp. In reaching their decision, the jury was instructed to determine whether she was credible or not based on several factors, including whether her testimony was inconsistent with or contradicted other evidence. I think you actually did a really good job of, I think you included the sheet here, right? Yeah. Um, in your in your Twitter thread, you actually talk about one of the jury instructions and say, hey, it's could they have possibly seen what they just testified to? How's their memory doing? What, what did they look like? Uh, are they prejudiced in the outcome of the case? Yes, the parties are. Um, and is there contradictions? And you seize on six, right? You say, well, yeah. we're going to talk about contradictions. That's that's kind of the, the through line structural form of your essay here. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on the rubric provided to the jury and the facts actually presented at trial, I came to a jarring conclusion. I love jarring here because that's how I feel on this. <laughs> Amber Heard was not credible. So yes. here, here's here's your main foundational plank. The jury has these rules. We just looked at them really briefly. One of the rules is, is she contradicting things? And now you can use this for your argument here to say, all right, let's talk about contradictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you did that in the Twitter thread, like even more. Uh, right, over- I- Right. No word limit. <laughs> Not a threat anyway. <laughs> right. No, you, you, you went you went through item after item after item. And, and, and I think that was great uh, here. You have to kind of condense it down into just a couple of big ones. And May 2016 was the right choice, I think, because that's where so much of the trial was like focused. Yeah, um, is on the is on this penthouse. So you say then 
For example, Heard's allegation that Depp trashed their penthouse and caused bruising to her face in May of 2016 was contradicted by testimony from three police officers, their body camera footage, and the front desk manager of the residence. None of these witnesses appeared to have motive to testify in favor of Depp. And I think anybody that watched the trial saw this happen. Like, this is one of the big deals, is that the police officers okay. say, no, we got nothing. Body camera footage shows nothing. In fact, the body camera footage showing nothing, I think, uh, at least most of the panelists I've talked to now, uh, believe that that's why the jury winds up ruling for one of Amber Heard's counts. I think that's right. I think yeah. that's right. Yeah. Because she didn't say she couldn't have staged the scene for the police to come and see the staged scene because when they came, the scene was not yet staged. Yes. I think, I think the scene was staged afterwards, right? <laughs> yeah. No, if, if, if yeah. And, if. And, and it's weird. That part is weird because she wins. She loses if you just generally say it was a hoax because that's just conceptually. She's mm -hmm. lying about stuff. Yeah. And then she wins on, but I'm going to tell you with specificity, <clears throat> excuse me, what I think the hoax is. Mm -hmm. And they say, nah, it wasn't quite that. Now, right. Does that matter? I, no. Know, I don't and, know. And I think that's why it was only $2 million and there were no punitive damages awarded. You know, I shouldn't say only $2 million would wipe me out. <laughs> I think it would wipe, it would probably wipe out uh, both of us and uh, everybody in the chat, maybe collectively. Yeah, you know, right. You don't know. $2 million is a fair amount of money. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, th I think this is just such a great example of, of what this looks like. Uh, right. You know, when the jury is evaluating this kind of thing, they aren't aren't just saying, oh, she didn't give me a tear. Oh, it looks like this. I, you, you can actually look at what I tend to call the extrinsic stuff, the extrinsic yes. evidence and say absolutely nothing lines up. Yes. Um, yes. And that was Amber Heard's biggest problem, right? It right. is. I get done with that. It's very dramatic. It's very theatrical. And I say, okay, so that's very, it's hard to believe your testimony. I am looking for you to show me some extrinsic evidence. I, I'm going to need some help with this. And, and it never came. Right. And it just to, a, you know, kind of address some of the counterpoints that I've entertained. Yeah. Uh, because it, it's actually really helped me to solidify my opinion. I'm actually more sure of my opinion now, but some of the counterpoints that I heard from uh, my debate opponent on Wednesday were basically, well, if it happened, it happened, whether or not she is a credible or believable person. And I'm like, well, that ignores the facts of this particular case, not a hypothetical, but this particular case where her, her statements were contradicted by extrinsic evidence, such as body camera footage, photographs, the lack of medical attention, um, the testimony of other individuals, people outside of her and evidence outside of her contradicted her. And so it wasn't just that she contradicted herself or previous testimony or lied about collateral matters. It's that to the heart of the matter, the extrinsic evidence contradicted her. And so with her being a non-credible person, the only other thing that could have supported these claims would be extrinsic evidence. And there was none that was credible. And that's, I think, exactly the right kind of formulation there, right? Mm -hmm. I, I remember watching this and sitting there, and just like I said, she is very difficult to believe, I'm going to need some help, is basically the formulation I had uh, at that point in time, uh, because it's not the end of the world to me. I, I'm, I'm, I try to be sympathetic to, okay, if really horrible things happen, your brain could be absolutely scrambled uh, on yes. this stuff, right? Yeah. And, and so, okay, it is, though, 
<laughs> and so if I'm trying to evaluate what actually happened, I'm going to need something to corroborate. Um, right. And, and I, I just didn't, it just didn't happen. And everything else, as you say, say using the word contradiction, everything else kind of stacked against that view of the world. Right. And it was, it was so definitive that it was so it was. definitively different. Uh, Johnny Depp's world and a Amber Heard's world that I didn't, I didn't think I had any choice if I were sitting in that jury room right. to effectively pick which world I think happened. Exactly. Um, and that's exactly. Johnny Depp's world was far more kind of possible in my head. Right. I mean, she wouldn't even admit to the definition of words like Brie brought it up on Wednesday, donate versus pledge, you know, right. or her own statements that were previously recorded. She would try to tell us it meant something that it clearly does not mean, you know, like I was not uh, trying to frantically get in touch with him because I loved him and still wanted to be with him, but because I didn't want him to abuse me, even though he was saying he didn't want to be around me. And it's yep. just like, you know, again, you're, you're, you are counter to the evidence and counter to reality. Like that's just not how we live in the world. That's not what those words mean. That's not what those actions mean to the general public. So she had a lot of credibility issues and I thought that that was dispositive of the case. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, and and you then you do like the the kind of fold in paragraph here. This is only a microcosm mm -hmm. of the inconsistencies and contradictions throughout the trial. As the trial unfolded, it became clear either most of the witnesses were lying or Amber Heard was. This was not an issue of memory. It was an issue of honesty. Uh, and I, I think that's the most important. I think uh, it was Camille Vasquez, I think, on the final day that mm -hmm. actually eff effectively puts that argument in front of the jury, says, All right, yeah. so. Another person lying then, I think she says this is an aside, which is maybe objection argumentative, uh, but it was, it really does put in your head. It's like, oh, yep, here, every single person is lying, um, except me. It's like, I, I suppose it's possible, but you have to, if you're going to get up to that conspiracy level, uh, we're going to need a lot more to go on. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think everything that you've said here, I agree with, which again, folks, bias. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. But I think it's uh, I think it's well presented, and uh, I, I think you get right to the heart of it. With it's a matter of honesty. Thank you. Now, Heard's attorneys argued that these contradictions didn't matter. They told the jury that even if they did not believe Heard for some of the incidents, but believed Heard for at least one of the incidents, Depp must lose. And Ben Rottenborn, who I think did a great closing argument, honestly, mm -hmm. in, in tone and presentation, and everything else, mm -hmm. is right as a lawyer, right? Not mm -hmm. looking at anything else separately. If the defamatory mm -hmm. statement is effectively read as Johnny Depp abused me, which is how you have to read it, because the sentences themselves don't quite lead you there. But but mm -hmm. we're, we're interpreting this case as Johnny Depp abused me. Then if he ever did. Amber Heard should win. Uh, you know, I spent weeks saying the muddy middle that the, the, the entirety right. of the team should be like, well, what happened there? We don't know what happened there. We don't know right. what happened there. We don't know. They didn't right. do that. They went with present the other world state. Um, and I suspect that's driven by their client. Yes. But, yeah. But but Ben Rottenborn yeah. rightly gets up there and gives you the legal standard, which is like, um, if it ever happened, give it to us. Mm -hmm. But you make the right counter here. Uh, and I think it, in Depp's team also made a variation of this counter when they came back up. However, believing Heard for even one of the incidents was difficult because there were inconsistencies in all of the incidents. These contradictions were so pervasive that they appeared to be the result of purposeful deception that the jury awarded Depp over $10 million in damage is proof that they felt strongly about the heinousness of those falsehoods. 
And I might challenge you on this, Natalie. I would say that the $5 million awarded in yes. punitive is the big neon sign that says they think this is a bad person doing bad things to me. I completely agree. I completely agree. So I, yeah. the five versus zero is the real like, okay, we're going to give you Adam Waldman stepped over the line, but like, this is who we think the bad person is. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah. And, and that was interesting. That That's the part that continues to jump out at me. And then, you know, I get into a fight with Rob about whether juries should be told about limits on these various things, et cetera, et cetera. I really question <laughs> that, you know, well, here's, here's the thing though. It does make me think about the criminal context in that when it comes to like sentencing, yeah. the jury doesn't, in my state, I, I think Virginia does have jury sentencing actually now that I think about it. But in my state, Maryland, the jury doesn't know anything about the potential sentence. They okay. don't know what it could be. So they could give someone an enhancement, like, oh, does this enhancement apply to this case? That could lead to the person getting even more jail time, but the jury would never know that. So I'm, I'm a little bit more comfortable with them not knowing what the particular numbers will be. Uh, but in a state like Virginia, which I think has jury sentencing, then maybe it does that analogy doesn't quite apply. Well, it's effectively a philosophical argument. Maybe we should have a debate show at some point with, uh, yeah. with all of us. Uh, because it's to me, it's like, okay, I get it. They're finders of fact. You don't actually want them thinking about the implications. And that's a philosophy. To me, yeah. it's like, well, this is this is this is on their heads. They're they're trying to do justice here. And yeah. they're put you're asking them to put numbers down and you're pretending like they matter uh to some extent at the at the end of the day, right? What do you think the punitive damages should be here? Five million. Uh okay, thanks, jury. We really appreciate it. That's not allowed. Uh it's gonna be 350. It's like, well. Okay. Yeah, I do think this though. I think that if there is a cap, because I I wonder if the cap is too low. But anyway, if there yeah, is, I mean, that's public policy, right? That's how. Yeah, yeah. So, but if there is a cap, juries might improperly give more in compensatory, where like it's just not it's like there's nothing to establish that that's how much the person lost. And it might make the uh, potential of the jury uh, award being overturned on appeal if at least they appeal the amount and say like, look, this is not established by anything that the jury heard. They just did this, you know, arbitrary and capricious amount because they wanted right. to punish the person. So I could see it protecting the the award more maybe if they don't hear that about the the cap but i think the reverse too right like th there's a clear signaling function in this verdict and mm -hmm. i could easily imagine them in the back room saying well you know we think he, he we think he got hurt 15 million but we really want to signal that yeah. uh that amber heard's a bad person so let's put yeah. a big ass number on, on punitive and so we'll we'll do this so i get it I, yeah. I just i like more information is better i like trusting people with transparency the law yeah. often does not um and so i i i hear i hear the uh, counter argument from you yeah. i hear it from rob obviously that's the way the system is set up so i'm just yeah out here. i I'm out here I don't feel, feel strongly about it, uh, about like the policy and all that stuff and what the law is. I don't feel very strong about that, but I wish he had gotten the $5 million. That's what I think. Like, I just wish that he had been able to get the additional $5 million because I felt like what she did was so heinous. These are heinous allegations of abuse. Really that bad. They made me true. sad to think of his lies. I mean, they literally did. Uh, yeah. like that somebody could do that. Um, once it's I terrifying. come to the realization that I think that she's lying, 
Mm-hmm. You could, you could, the color drains from my face. He's like, oh yeah. my God, this is bad. It's really, really bad. Um, so yeah, no, and, and you know, that's there's all sorts of things we could argue about random technicalities. I, I don't like that there apparently isn't a set off because I could totally see that Johnny Depp would be the only one that pays here uh, oh, as, as a possibility. Uh, I know. It, it so, should just be she pays him eight million and we call yeah, it. A just set it off. Just, yeah. just, just absolutely set it off, net him. Yeah. But as I, at least as Rob explained it to me, there's not a set off. And I said, I well, believe Rob when it comes to everything, the Commonwealth civil law. <laughs> I do, I do. Uh, now you do hit uh, some of the points here, uh, mm-hmm. getting towards the the end, especially that the other media is covering. There are no perfect victims. Obviously, we have seen, especially here in headlines, mm-hmm. uh, that the uh, everybody hates her because Amber Heard is an imperfect victim kind of concept pop up in a lot of different outlets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you do this right as well to say, okay, yeah, nobody's perfect. And even the most credible people will have inconsistencies here or there. Yeah, just, okay, folks, little thought experiment. Try to remember exactly what you did yesterday to the minutest detail. And yeah. it's not going to line up with somebody that observed you the whole day. I mean, that's right. just the nature of human memory. Right. However, juries are usually able to sort through the facts and decide whether the allegations on the whole, are true, even with minor witness inconsistencies, because they are also human beings Mm -hmm. that can recognize the issues with human memory. It's why Mm -hmm. we use juries to some extent. What happened in Depp versus Heard was not reflective of the insignificant inconsistencies of genuine victims. Heard's credibility issues were far outside the norm, and to ignore them would be dishonest. I like how you flip dishonesty on there. See, I, I just like your rhetoric. Now. You're, doing, you're doing some tricks with language here that I rather enjoy. Um, so, yeah, I think this is great. I also think from an argument standpoint, it's good to acknowledge this this argument because um, this I, you might have already experienced this on Twitter or al- elsewhere, but this is one of the things that they would bring up against you is like, well, right. you're, just, you're just discounting this because she's not a perfect victim. Uh, and right. and she's, she's very far from it. I would hesitate to yeah. use the word victim. Right. As would Vic- she. Yes. Well, she doesn't like that word. We did yeah. We did get, that might be the most genuinely animated that she was on the stand, honestly. Yes. Uh, was like, Very don't you call me a victim. I actually right. thought, I think I said on the day, I said, well, Camille, you, you know what you have to call her for the rest of this questioning, right? Uh, but she didn't. She didn't do that. Yeah. So. Camille played it very straight. She did. Very, very straight. And that's why, that's why where she impeached her, it was so effective because, mm-hmm. you know, she played it so straight. <clears throat> she did. She did. There is no question that the new partner at Brown Rudnick. Uh, therefore, the call to believe all women as a solution to the problem with physical and sexual abuse is alarming, dangerous, and counterproductive. Mm-hmm. And I suspect this is maybe where you get in trouble with the, the, the mainstream media publications you're talking about. Yes. This is best explained if we outright state the inverse disbelieve all men. This framework asks for the public, the media, and the courts to disregard the presumption of innocence. The problem with allegations of sexual abuse being swept under the rug cannot be solved with treating those accused of abuse as though they are guilty without the accused being given an opportunity to be heard in a court of law. And this, folks, if you don't recognize it, I suspect that you all do, is right at the heart of a whole lot of argument and politics and discussion between believe all women and me too and title nine and campus courts and everything in between. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that Natalie does a really good job here of talking about specifically, not just randomly 
political or uh, expository, ah, you shouldn't do this because, you know, that's just bad. Explaining why it's a problem. Explaining why, in all honesty, lawyers on the whole should find it a problem. And it always is a little disturbing to me when, when people in the legal profession kind of buy into this specific piece of a social movement or rhetoric or otherwise, because honestly, we are trained on presumption of innocence. We are right. trained on that being so, so necessary because wielding the power of the state, which even mm -hmm. between two celebrities from Hollywood, this mm -hmm. is the power of the state. This is a judge. This is forcing people to give money to each other. And we're in Natalie's line of work. It's putting people in cages mm -hmm. uh, and, and really, really important stuff that we have to make sure that we're really clear about what's happening and why. Uh, and, and philosophically, it can't just be this. And, and, Lest you think Natalie's done, she is not. Uh, she she has more to say on this. I just do it. I'm just doing it paragraph by paragraph. Um, but you no, know, Natalie, you put this in. I think it's obviously right. I think it's correct. Um, obviously, this is dangerous stuff to say in in, yeah. in media outlets and to go out with. Right. Um, so, what are your thoughts here? Because I, you know, I can I can just expound and, and bloviate for for twenty minutes. But I, I'm sure. we got you here. What are you thinking yeah. when you add this to the article? So when I add this to the article, uh, first of all, I was asked, I am answering a question. Okay. One. But number two, um, this is something that I, I wholeheartedly believe and I have had a problem with since like 2016, right? right whenever it started. Yeah. Whenever it broke into the popular zeitgeist. And that is that the media completely abandoned the presumption of innocence. I even started seeing publications that were saying wouldn't even say allegedly anymore. You know, um, they oh. would just they would just say, you know, this person did this to that person, or this person accused this person of that thing. And with and when they would talk about the actual thing, they would say this person said this, this person said that, but they would never talk about the fact that this has not gone to court. There have been no criminal charges. There has not been a lawsuit. These are just the allegations. Now, does that mean that I support people that are abusers? I absolutely do not. And I think that there should be consequences for them. And there can be social consequences for people outside of a court of law. However, it's been completely abandoned that, you know, first of all, it's sexist. Believe all women is sexist. Women are human beings. We are subject to the same frailties and failings as everyone else, right? Man, woman, you're non-binary folks, right? Sure. We have the same exact issues with honesty, avarice, jealousy, greed, pride. We can be liars. We can be abusers ourselves. And the same thing goes for men. Men can be victims. Men can be uh, 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 falsely accused, uh, things like that. And, and then vice versa. They can be abusers. They can be this. They can be that. And to say believe all women is inviting the, pop, the, the, the populace to turn off our thinking brains and just accept this binary without examining each case on the facts and the merits of each case, right? I think each case should be taken seriously. Each case should be investigated, whether that be investigative journalism or an investigation through the discovery process in a civil case or investigation through a criminal case with law enforcement, whatever context that case is in. But it should be investigated thoroughly. And it's like no one investigates anything anymore. They just accept the allegation as true 
parrot it back to the public and without the distinction of telling people these are allegations, they have not yet been vetted, then right. people just accept what they've been told. And I just don't think that's, I think it's malpractice uh, journalistically, it's legal malpractice if any attorneys are trying to push that forward. And it's unethical. Yeah, and it goes with what we've seen in journalism, certainly on the internet, uh, but just in general, that that first, that first allegation, that first story, that, that first instance of finding out about something tends to really stick in one's mind, uh, yeah. right? As you yeah. said at the top of this article, I, you and I, I think both came to it with the same kind of vague notion that Johnny Depp is an abusive person. Yeah. Um, like, like that's just what stuck because nobody has the capacity to remember everything about any of the innumerable at this point, number of folks, especially, you know, men, and it seems deservedly so that have been called out for bad behavior. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm in this space and I'm on the streams that we've done saying, I, I think it's a great thing that if this wasn't getting properly addressed, that mm -hmm. it is getting properly addressed or at least moving in that direction. But we still have to evaluate, as you said, I think with your with our thinking brains, mm -hmm. the actual instances in front of us. Right. Um, and, and, and I think you, you bring up a great example, of course, that that I think a lot of people know about in the next paragraph here when you say historically, when the popular zeitgeist has coalesced around an automatic assumption of guilt, the consequences have been disastrous and irreversible, which is strong language. But your example is perfect to illustrate it. In 1955, when a white woman accused Emmett Till, a 14-year-old black boy, of sexually harassing her, Till was kidnapped, tortured, and murdered. And it took until 2017 for that woman to admit that her allegations were false, and we still see the effects of that case today. So I, I have to I have to commend you on your bravery here because you you, you go after this concept and, and then you bring race and racism into it. I think completely justifiably. Um, but I mean, like you're. This, this is serious stuff uh, argued very seriously by the time we're getting to this point in your article. So I, I can't speak for the publication, right? Because the, they did not tell me this and I could be off base here, but I think this is why my op-ed was not published. And it's something that I put a lot of thought into knowing what the risk of that would be, right? Uh, I spoke about it with my husband. I, I, I gave it a lot of thought. It's probably why I needed until Sunday to submit instead of submitting on Saturday or Friday night, right? I needed to think about this. And I took this very seriously because I did not throw out um, uh, issues of race very lightly, right? I think that sometimes people overuse issues of race in a cheap way that cheapens the issue. Yep. However, the this is a case, Depp v. Heard, between two wealthy, privileged white people. And when I say privileged, I mean financially, socially, in every single way, they are more privileged than 99% of the country. Doesn't yeah. matter what color you are, right? They have access to resources. You know, I talked about it in another live where it's like anyone doing these amount of drugs that wasn't rich, they'd be in jail right now. You know, <laughs> we're just doing so many drugs. The both of them. I and it's just laughy happy drugs put a lot those the, the, in, in my tax for some expensive stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like in my county, they'd be crackheads and they'd be in jail, right? Okay, so that's aside that's aside from the point. They have some a lot of privilege here, right? They so do why that. would I why would I bring up race in a case involving to white people. It's because people that are less privileged or of minority communities, be that minority because of um, sexual orientation or minority because of race or minority because of finances, 
they tend to bear the brunt of whatever the popular culture is around a certain issue. So most privileged people are not going to deal with a debt be heard situation. Most of them are going to be fine, right? But the call to believe all women when you have, for example, uh, say one woman that is accusing a man of color, right? Uh, and then the, the belief in the court system and the prosecutors, for example, right? They, they watch this media, they go to a prosecutor's conference, they're thinking about what the voters care about. Everybody wants to believe all women first and foremost. And then here we have a man who doesn't have the financial resources that Johnny Depp has getting railroaded by the system, not listened to and not heard because everybody first and foremost believes all women or you know whatever the case may be i think it's dangerous i think it's very very dangerous and i think also if we look to the situation with emmett till at that time believe all women worked in a certain context of against black men right so it's it's been his like you don't you don't believe when they're talking about women are they talking about black women probably not you know probably not they're probably talking about a certain section of women. And so when you say believe all women, believe all women like Amber Heard. Well, what if Amber Heard accuses someone who doesn't have the, or a woman like Amber Heard, uh, accuses someone who doesn't have the resources that Johnny Depp has? What could happen to them in the modern context? Certainly historically in the 50s, it meant death for a Black boy, right? So it's yeah. just dangerous. It's dangerous to think of women as, of all of us, women as or human beings as automatically infallible simply because of our sex. It's ridiculous. So that's that's why I brought that in there. No, and, and like I said, I think it, it's this first sentence that really works for me in terms of the transition because this would be this would be a rough transition without it uh, because I think it makes your point. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's it was surprising when I first read this to kind of think about those things. Uh, in alignment, which I think a good op opinion editorial presents you with some new ways to look at things that maybe you hadn't considered before. Uh, but I think you're probably right in terms of ratcheting it up, um, that that it would be easy for me to see someone balking in, in some newsroom somewhere mm -hmm. um, at, at this particular portion. But I think you explained it well. Um, and I think it's well presented here. Uh, Thank absolutely. you. And, and I'll just say one more thing to it. I, I don't want to eat up too much time, but I'll say one yeah, more no, thing. Yeah, no, we're trying to get you to the end. I know you, yeah, have, I know. I know you have to get out. <laughs> so it's a, it's, a, it's a trickle down theory is what I'm trying to say, is that, you know, it, 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 take it out of race. Think of satanic panic, right? Uh -huh. Right, satanic panic in the 70s and the 60s, where, um, you know, it was just believe all children, and there were children making up absolutely false and insane allegations of abuse against them because there was a popular zeitgeist, right, around believing all children no matter what. Not recognizing that children are human beings, they are susceptible to influence, that adults can use their children as tools in order to get revenge on other people. And we had an entire daycare school turned into a cult in popular culture. We had uh, people incarcerated over allegations that they were in, involved in cults or satanic rituals. And it was insanity. It was a, it was a mass insanity. So I'm, I used race as a more concrete example, but it doesn't have to be race. It could be anything where you just say, here's a group of people and no matter what the facts of the individual case are, believe them because they belong to a certain class. That is 
crazy. That is yeah. absolutely crazy. It's just like satanic panic. It's it's a it's a folly ado on a massive level. It's everyone having a shared psychosis that we should all just believe people because they were born a certain gender. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, no, and I, I think that's I, I think that's the right way to look at it. I, for my neck of the woods, ner nerdness. You know, we had that with Dungeons and Dragons. We had we had that oh, with yeah. video games from time to time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so I, I definitely see that. Um, I do want to get you to the end. I know we only have a couple minutes left with you. Sure. Uh, I have represented both men and women who have been wrongfully accused of abuse. While most abuse victims are truthful, wrongful accusations do happen. It is only through the presumption of innocence in a fair trial that the accused has any hope of clearing their name. Instead of asking the public to believe all women, we should ask for accusations of abuse to be taken seriously, investigated thoroughly, and for the accused to be given a fair trial. And this gets this gets the the vaunted red highlight uh, in in this neck of the woods, which is I think this is exactly right. And and certainly, you know, believe women. Me too. Have highlighted areas where that wasn't happening, where you weren't yes. getting that kind of redress. Yeah. And that's terrible. And I think it's easy for us to say that is the right thing to try to correct. Um, but right. like, a, like a pendulum, you do have to you do have to be cognizant of the fact, as I think Natalie has rather brilliantly stated here, that it can go too far. And, and it's a bad scene when you start getting into those situations where you're just believing out of hand without any kind of adjudicative process at all. When the Me Too movement first became popular, um, because again, it wasn't started in 2016, but when it first became popular in 2016 and I first found out about it, I didn't know about it before then. I thought what we were looking for were, okay, if there's on-campus abuse allegations, let's make sure we report this to law enforcement. You know, the sure. school might be a little bit biased because this guy's a star athlete. So let's report this to law enforcement. Let's actually process these RAPE kits, right? Let's yep. actually interview these witnesses. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's actually start the due process. Let's do that. I didn't realize that what we were looking for was to just, again, we turned off our brains one way. Um, if, if you think of it like a pendulum, we were over here. We turned off our brains and we said, oh, you know, like uh, the all these chicks are lying or let's not yeah. ruin these guys' lives. Let's close yep. our eyes and not look at it, right? Yep. And then we just swung all the way over here to, well, then let's just turn off our thinking caps and let's just believe all women. But we should be somewhere right here where we say, okay, here's the allegation. Let's investigate it. Let's listen to this woman or this man that alleges that they are a victim of abuse. Yeah. Don't dismiss out of hand. Investigate. Move forward. Yeah. I, I, think that's, I think that's definitely the right formulation. Uh, and the media response to this trial has been fraught with concern that this case will have a chilling effect on women seeking help. It may, but not for the reasons the media says it will. This case could have a chilling effect on abuse victims because anyone who watched the trial learned that Amber Heard may have deliberately created tales of horrific abuse to gain leverage in her divorce proceedings. Potential victims may be afraid of being stereotyped and disbelieved, not because Heard told the truth and wasn't believed, but because after having her claims carefully vetted in a court of law, Heard may have lied in such an egregious way and given ammunition to bad faith actors seeking to discredit true victims. And I think that's true, right? I mean, it, one of the problems that happens here is that folks can point and say, yes, that's a clear instance where there appears to be someone that lied and that lying person destroyed a man's life for a period of time. And now I can use that for you know the same case X, Y, and Z. I would also add to this um, that I think the media right now is, is kind of helping it 
insofar as they're the ones out there saying that Heard was believable and wasn't believed because of an orgy of misogyny and, and all these various things, that that in and of itself on the margins is likely to keep at least some people home that shouldn't be kept home and should be reporting this stuff. Right. Um, because the whole system is out of order, uh, according yeah. to some of these media outlets. Uh, I, I, I think that I think that they are a part of the problem. I just yeah. do, unfortunately. And I wish it wasn't the case. I really wasn't expecting this response. I was expecting the jury verdict to come in. And sure, some people would hold fast to their situations, but that you'd reflect on what you'd otherwise said when when a unanimous group comes back uh, right. and says, you know, this is what happened. Right. Uh, the media spectacle in this case began in 2016 when Heard, accompanied by her publicist, filed for a protective order against Depp. In the trial, the jury heard evidence which implied that Heard herself or a member of her team may have alerted the paparazzi giant when she sought the protective order, I think this is this is a TMZ reference mm -hmm. to a sentence that got dropped at some point. <laughs> uh, in addition, the jury was treated to her directly asking them on the stand to look to the media coverage surrounding the case. This is a completely inappropriate request in a trial where the jury was ordered not to watch any of the media coverage to now allege that the jury was tainted by the media coverage where Heard herself may have initiated the media circus and certainly improperly asked the jury to look to the media is confounding. This also ignores that much of the mainstream media coverage surrounding this case was supportive of Heard. There has been no evidence that the media coverage influenced the jury. However, there has been ample evidence in the trial itself that Heard made false and defamatory statements about Depp with actual malice, and the jury had no choice but to find against her. Natalie Whittingham Burrell, June 5th, 2022. Um, and I think that's, that's a great conclusion. I don't have anything to add right there. I know you mm -hmm. have to go. Right. I, I got it to eight o'clock as best as I could. Natalie. You did great. No, um, you did great. I, I have the um the virtual screen up over here and the judge is not yet on. the. Waiting bench. for your other call. I love <laughs> yeah. it. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, folks, uh, this is Natalie's piece. There is a link in the description to this video. Thank We're going to talk a little bit about some of the other controversy here uh, and chat with you all in the hangouts portion. But Natalie, I just want to say thank you so much for carving out some time this morning before mm -hmm. you go and do very, very serious things. Uh, and and for writing this and and putting it out there and honestly for spending your time on something that somebody didn't take uh, and I'm glad that you did even if it uh, was unfair in the moment. So folks, yeah. go like and subscribe to her. She says she's very close to 100,000. And I actually have one super chat I wanted to grab for you because sure. it was funny. While you're while you're grabbing that, I did DM you on Twitter. Oh, okay. the 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 comparison between my tweet thread and article and her oh, article. I, I got, I'm already. I'm 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 ready to go. You're I, so good. I, and, you know, uh, I, I prep these things. Okay, uh, green to green, uh, purple to purple. Just so you know, in case you talk about it. <laughs> where is the one? Because I, I uh, somebody is asking you about what eyeshadow you have, and I'm going to oh. ask the question wrong. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, but I can answer that. Um, okay. so my eyeshadow is Juvia's Place is uh, the palette. And I think it's the emerald palette because it's emerald green. So that's the palette. It's all a bunch of different shades of green. And they're an awesome company, very affordable. And I highly recommend them. Very pigmented as well. Yeah. I, I uh, for, for whatever reason, I I, uh, I lost it. StreamYard has been being mean to me uh, lately. So I, I'll, um, I will probably find it yeah. after the fact. But I think that's, that's how a, it goes. I also noticed that your comments on StreamYard, at least on my end, stopped loading around 10 minutes ago. So, you know, <laughs> I think StreamYard's glitching on you, which it does to me all the time. <laughs> we do our best. I'm actually yeah. have to answer some now that I think about it. I have to answer some that died uh, in the crossover yesterday. Oh, so no. I will, uh, I'll grab those um, for hopefully people that are still on the show. 
Uh, uh, so, you know, that's just logistics. That's just back end plate spinning. Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, definitely feels like plate spinning. Um, <laughs> I just want to tell you that um, Eric M made me laugh because he said, or she, er, oh, Eric, not Aaron, Eric M. I'm doing drugs right now. Look at all my privilege. That is so funny. <laughs> Counterpoint. <laughs> He's like, I'm doing drugs right now, actually. <laughs> anyway. ah, well, you know, uh, we, we welcome people as they are to watch yeah. Hangouts and Headlines. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I, uh, I, I, I really appreciate it. Um, I think I am going to just do super chats okay. uh, for right now, Natalie. So, uh, I, it's like, enjoy your day, but I know you're doing, you know, the, the hardcore. No, I hope to litigation. enjoy my day. I hope to win my motions hearing that's coming. All right. Up, so. Go in your motions Thank hearing. You. Thanks again for trying to right. Really Bye. appreciate it. See you later. And folks, that was Natalie. Uh, as she said, very close to 100,000 subscribers. Go over, check out her channel, like, and subscribe. Uh, it's very awesome uh, that we have such uh, interesting people here uh, doing this kind of stuff on YouTube, putting out documents and stories like the one that she put out, um, because I, I think it really adds to the, the information and the discussion. Even if you don't fully agree with anything, I think that's part of the fun here. And certainly... We talked earlier this week about potentially doing theme days. I don't know if we'll do anything that formal, uh, but I do think Friday I'm going to mostly try to save as a day where we either do something lighter or something positive. We have a lot of days where we get into the weeds uh, and you have me yesterday uh, talking fairly vociferously about what I see as lack of argumentation in articles that we're reading. So I am going to try to at least mostly have Fridays be a day uh, where they're a little bit more positive. Um, but um, let's talk about some of these super chats. If you have any thoughts yourself about this story, we're also going to be talking about the above the law thing just a little bit. I don't want to get too far into it, uh, but there are some things that are pretty obvious, I think, as potential problems, at least structurally, uh, between that Twitter thread that Natalie mentioned and the above the law story. Uh, and so I think you'll probably uh, be pretty interested in that. But before we do, that MF Wolf, my dyslexia and alcohol had me read Natalie's name as Nate Lie Lawyer Chick. How's my man tell me how you really feel and what did my boy do to you? It's actually pretty funny. So when I was prepping this uh, video, uh, one of the things that kept trying to make me do is say Natalie the lawyer chick and change it to Nate the lawyer, which I think is pretty amusing. So there you go, Nate. Uh, the YouTube algorithm is, is trying to make me change what I'm writing in my description uh, over to your name. So you got that working for you. Uh, Britt Cormier, does that mean your publication name that asked you to write the op-ed sound like Zubork Rhymes? Just wondering. I don't know. I, you know, I, I, Zubork sounds like an interesting place to live, uh, certainly, uh, but I couldn't say. Doc McFuzzball, question Hogue, do you, how do you stay so reasonable and discuss opposing positions so honestly? Love to you both and all of LawTube for repping facts. Uh, it's the way I work, it's the way I'm built. Uh, I really do think that reasonable minds can differ. And I think even when I think somebody's being unreasonable, the best way to really highlight that for folks. Uh, the best way to make my case is to treat it as reasonably as possible. And that works to highlight the unreasonableness. Uh, and so when you see me go over an article like yesterday, that's what I try to do. Now, yesterday I was feisty. I had a picture of Batboy. So how could I not use it? Um, and I, I was uh, pretty, as I say, vociferous uh, in my arguments there. Uh, but I really do think that both on this channel and in life at large, uh, the more that you can hold your cool and be the rational person in the room, the more effective your argumentation is. Uh, and I never, ever, ever uh, believe in ad hominem attacks. 
Um, so I will assume your good faith and some people will come into the chat and otherwise comment and, and accuse my naivete or, or allowance for these kinds of things. And I would rather be on that end of the spectrum than just uh, randomly firing off, uh, you know, expletive laden tirades or rants against these people. That's the way I operate. Other people can operate differently. Uh, as I like to tell folks when I was mentoring at the bigger law firms, you have to find out the way that you lawyer. You have to find out the way that you negotiate or argue or otherwise, because it's not going to be the same as me. And it's not going to be the same as the next person. And if you try to squeeze yourself into that particular role, it's going to be a little bit less than it could otherwise be if you're kind of maximizing who you are. But I was also pretty adamant about not being an ass, about respecting other people and treating other people, even opposing counsel, even when they drive you nuts with the notion that they are actually human beings on the other end of that, on the other end of that phone or that email exchange. Um, so that's, that's really my thought process. And that's why I do what I do in the way that I do it. Kareen, Natalie, your article is excellent. Here's the question, Kareen. I hope I got it answered for you. However, I'm obsessed with your eyeshadow. What's the color and brand? Sorry, Hogue, but I have to ask. Hopefully that answer came out to you. I apologize that I wasn't able to ask it in exactly the proper way, uh, but I knew that you had asked it. I saw it go by when we were talking earlier. Um, and thank you for the support. Carly loves Big Bang German Hogue fan club. It's such a delight to watch an intellectual discussion between my two favorite law tubers. Thank you. I won't tell. Thank you so much for your honest thoughts. Great community. Yellow heart emoji. Thank you. Carly loves Big Bang. Britt Cormier. I still want to see the person that has dragged across broken glass and does not seek help to dig out the shards. It is not like you can just pull them all out of your back. Our story was very dramatic, wasn't it? Um, and so that's that's really where I think a lot of the disconnect comes between us and like media articles. It's like, all right, let's just go over one of these incidents, especially Australia, and say, do you actually believe this? Especially if you think about what happens the next day in her own story. And then if you drag in stuff from out of court, what happens the next day, according to like things like the tape recordings, um, it's very, very difficult to believe any of it. And that leads you to question the rest of the testimony in its entirety. Ivan Drought, question, if one truly believes something that is in fact wrong because of mental health or a simple misunderstanding, do you, do you consider that they lie? Is it defamation when saying what they felt saw through their distorted view? So this would have been a line of defense, in my opinion, that could have been used. Hey, I am broken. That PTSD did this. Or accept something like, the, the uh, disorders that were otherwise identified by Dr. Curry's testimony and say effectively to the court um, and the jury that I really believe this, that I told people that this was happening. I got back from my friends, from my parents, from my psychologist, from my psychiatrist, that I was being domestically abused. And I took that to heart and I believed it. I incorporated that into myself. And that's why I wrote what I wrote, because I fully believed that to be the truth, because then that's not intentional falsity. That's not reckless disregard for the truth. She didn't want to go that direction. Their strategy was not that, which I think may have been a winner. They didn't want to actually lean into that. They wanted to be essentially an innocent victim of a tyrannical, monstrous abuser. And once they went out with that strategy, it became a question of, okay, I have these two worldviews. Now I have to decide which one to believe uh, before moving on. Uh, so when we look at that, the question becomes, do we believe Johnny Depp or do we believe 
Amber Heard. And it's just not very easy to side with Amber Heard with this kind of bifurcated worldview. But do I think there were other defenses that could have been used, including I truly believed it, regardless of its actual truthfulness in the world? I think so, because that actual malice is what we call mens rea. And you need to have that intent in your head in order to be found liable for those various things. My dog stepped on a bee. Good name. Thank you to Tug and you lawyers for the coverage and analysis of this case. Hi, GM Natalie. Hearts in my eyes. Hearts in my eyes. Emoji. Call me later. Crying laughing emoji twice. Darius May. Editor's note is incomplete. Evidence it wasn't plagiarized because it cites a draft that was received March uh, or June 3rd. European. Hold on for me. Not a final copy. Author had time to edit between June 3rd draft to June 7th final using the tweets from June 2nd, which is before the draft, and the article from June 6th. Absolutely. The editors don't. We'll get to it in just a second. Isn't terribly complete. The structure is, I would say, uh, very closely aligned between the Twitter thread and the article, uh, as it turns out. I think at bare minimum, the author saw that Twitter thread. Whether you want to get into whether that's technically plagiarism or something else, uh, I will leave uh, to, uh, to Natalie and her counsel, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but it, they're clearly structural similarities. Uh, Brenda Lee Leiden Carpenter, what if someone on the jury knows that there's a cap? Well, they can know that there's a cap. It's not like you have to be completely uh, separate from that information entirely, and they could tell the rest of their jurors that. Uh, but it's the legal premise that we shouldn't be telling the jurors about the cap as a kind of rule that I don't fully agree with. Uh, and like you heard us discuss, there is philosophy that underpins that. Hey, the jury just cares about the facts, not the law. The law comes in and does what it does with punishments. That's fine. But we do ask the jury to actually assert those punishments. And we pretend like their punitive damages number isn't otherwise capped. I don't know that that's fair. If you put a line in there that said parenthetical maximum $350,000, I don't know that that's destroying the jury process. I would potentially have them do that. Belly laugher, read the punitive cap. It's Virginia law, so wouldn't some citizens know the law was passed? So kind of similar to the last question. Would knowing that exclude you from jury selection? Probably not. So voir dire will be a set of questions uh, that is otherwise asked to the jurors, generally about the subject matter of the case, making sure there aren't latent or patent biases there. Uh, but it probably wouldn't keep you off just to know the punitive cap, but it would depend on the attorneys. I don't think it's an auto off, but I'm just guessing there, especially in Virginia. Nine Realms Publishing, Morning Hogue and Natalie. I love Natalie's piece. Hogue, I replied to your DMs, by the way. I will check that out. Thank you so much. And thank you so much, Trira Lee Chin, for the super sticker and fun times for the super sticker. Now, I can tell you that my StreamYard has completely broken down as of about 20 minutes ago. Um, so I am not getting updates on anything after the fun time super sticker. I'm going to try, I can go back to, um, let's see here. What can I go back to? The StreamYard is completely busted. Uh, so I can go back and I can say, thank you for the super sticker to Don X hoax. Uh, and then skew SME. Speaking of the satanic panic, the D and D RPG demonization comes to mind. Also shout out to critical role. Curious. Do you watch their content? By the way, I have enjoyed Dungeons and Dragons on streams, particularly with the easy allies when they were doing that. And then something called tabletop adventures. I actually haven't watched critical role, which is by far the most successful uh, and like well-produced and resourced version of this. 
I can also say to Aaron Flemons, thank you for the super chat. Your viewpoint reinforces my belief that there are still good people in the world who stand up for due process. Thanks, Hogan, Natalie. Thank you for the commentary there. And Elbon, are there journalists slash writers you'd recommend? I would have to think on that. I, there's like video game reviewers that I really like, uh, but they're obviously not talking about uh, you know the the serious and important stuff here. I think there are good journalists, but I would I would need to think about who I would actually recommend on this stuff. I would always recommend uh, that you do your own critical analysis and find someone who at bare minimum explains their thought process well, especially when they're writing opinion pieces. Because even if you disagree, as long as it's explained well, you can figure out why you disagree and how rather than just kind of uh, agreeing or otherwise taking in as truth what somebody is telling you because it's printed on a page or on a website somewhere. So much like reviewing movies or video games or books or TV or whatever, I find that if you can, if you can locate somebody that is having an opinion and explaining how they got there and arguing it well, you can use that in both directions. Oh, I know this person thinks these things, so I can discount this and this and this, and I know I'm going to come to the opposite conclusion. Or, hey, this person agrees with me on these fundamental rules, and so I can use them as at least a kind of bellwether as I do my own analysis. Um, so that's always going to be different per person, but I will think on it more fulsomely on who I would recommend uh, in general. Um, and those are the super chats I can grab. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn off super chats in general because of this broken uh, situation. I don't want anybody else trying to get super chats that I'm not going to see. Um, although maybe I can just follow it on chat, but uh, let me see if I can do that on the fly. Apologies, folks, for a little technical behind the scenes stuff here. Um, let's get those off for right now. Uh, and my sincerest apologies. I think this is the second day in a row that Super Chat has gotten pretty weird. Um, and thank you, Rabber Umfenor. Evidence, amazing, great stuff for the Super Chat. They are off now um, because the StreamYard has broken down and there's no real way for me to grab them on the fly. Um, so uh, thank you so much, everybody who, who did support the channel. We're just going to have the Super Chats off for the rest. And we're just going to talk a little bit about what Natalie was talking about with respect to her Twitter thread here. Um, right. So in the Twitter thread, this is, as she said, 6 a.m. June 2nd. So the verdict comes down at about 3.30 p.m. the day before. So this is less than a day after. Uh, and she's summarizing her thoughts. So she, she's talking about, hey, preponderance of evidence harmed his reputation. It's a false statement because J.D. is a public figure. It has to be that actual malice standard coming into this. J.D. has a very difficult hurdle to overcome. Herbert versus Lando says that JD has to bring evidence of all the surrounding circumstances. So that's a reference to a citation. A jury doesn't just get to go off how they feel about the parties in assessing the evidence. They have to follow the law that's given in jury instructions. One of those instructions is about the credibility of witnesses. Uh, based on all that, the evidence has to be overwhelmingly in favor of JD for him to win. It was, here's why. Here's the jury instructions we looked at a little bit earlier. And also more evidence that the statements were false and also more evidence that the statements were about him. And then she's going to get into a list. So that's her overall premise, right? Here's why Amber Heard lost. And she's going to write that in the article we just read. And then we're going to talk about contradictions. Most specifically, the jury has to consider all the factors. Credibility matters. Most important is in this case was number six, contradictions. When Amber contradicted other evidence, Johnny got more evidence of Amber Heard. So, or actual malice, AM versus AH. 
And so she's then going to go into the contradictions. If we go and we look at this article from Above the Law, why Johnny won, which of course is the inverse of why Amber lost, but we'll allow it. You get a description of the case at the top, and then you get examining the decision strictly on legal grounds. It is understandable why the jury decided in Depp's favor. They then start with the false statement and the actual malice. And this is the same way that Natalie starts, but I think this is pretty understandable. If you're going to frame out what exactly is at issue here, you're going to have to talk about defamation. You're going to have to talk about actual malice. So I think we're good so far. Then things start getting a little weird. The very next thing is jury instructions, which is useful, but not necessarily always the thing that you would bring up next. In fact, I would say that it's a little bit of an unusual move that Natalie took. I like jury instructions as well because I think they help break down the law into bite-sized chunks, but they don't actually use in the Above the Law article the concept of jury instructions so much. They go in a different direction. Now, again, maybe that's to their benefit, but the structure here is going to start to match up more and more and more. In determining Depp's claims against Heard, it determines the journey to determine also whether Heard was abused. Then they use Herbert versus Lando, a 1979 case, which is the same site as Natalie, The trick that you have here is that, of course, if you're doing legal analysis and if Natalie's right, then technically most of the stuff that people say should line up with that. But this is lining up an awful lot. Then they say, hey, what really matters here is credibility. And I believe it was the contradictions in particular that swayed the jury in favor of death. That's exactly Natalie's contention and also not the only contention that you could make as a lawyer. In fact... I think the tendency for people that talk on these things is to say that it was the manner of Amber Heard that was as convincing as the contradictions in this particular case, that watching her on the stand, observing her tell this story, switching between moods as quickly as she did, that kind of thing went a long way to establishing a certain lack of credibility. That doesn't come up in Natalie's article. That doesn't come up in Natalie's Twitter thread. It doesn't come up here. It isn't really even mentioned. Then you start getting into summaries. So below is a sampling of the contradictions presented to the jury regarding Heard's allegations of abuse. Heard had alleged that Depp had assaulted her in their penthouse, resulting in a physical injury and property damage. The LAPD officers who responded immediately after the alleged incident testified that they had seen no signs of injury or property damage. Although Heard had claimed that Depp spilled wine in the hall, police body cam footage showed no spilled wine nor the other property damage that Heard had claimed. So, penthouse incident results in this damage. LAPD officers say that they didn't see anything. Body camera footage says that didn't see anything. And Isaac Baruch then testifies that he saw Heard within hours of the alleged assault and so no, saw no injuries. And witness Alejandro Romero, who worked in the former couple's building, testified that when he saw Heard the day after the alleged incident, he did not see any injuries. LAPD officers, body camera footage, Isaac Baruch, Alejandro Romero. Then if we look at Natalie, the penthouse incident, A.H. says J.D. assaulted her in their penthouse, leaving behind destruction and injuries. Witness Alejandro Romero saw Amber Heard the next day and saw no injuries. Isaac Baruch testified that he saw Amber Heard within hours of the alleged assault and saw no injuries. Three LAPD officers testified that they responded immediately after the alleged penthouse incident and saw no signs of injuries. Amber Heard alleged J.D. spilled wine in the hall and had pics of it, but on body cam, there was no wine. Although Heard had claimed that Depp spilled wine in the hall, police body cam footage showed no spilled wine. This is reordered from that text exchange. But to be fully understood here, as we look at this, 
you could you could frame this in a, in a thousand different ways. Uh, right. She lacks credibility because of the penthouse incident. Yes. It's because the police officers come in and say they don't see anything. Yes. It's because uh, they didn't see wine in their body cam footage. You could also add because when they present photo evidence of the rampage that happened, it is very unconvincing. You could add that the various people that testified on Amber Heard's behalf testified differently to the order of events that happened and who was in what room and when and when Johnny went on this tirade and what occurred. You could bring in all sorts of different things to talk about the contradictions. This is the same four things that Natalie brought up in the same incident that Natalie brings up first. So is it plagiarism? I'm not good enough to know that. I'm not a plagiarism expert. Is it structural and conceptual theft, which may not be illegal, by the way? It's certainly starting to appear so, right? Then we have the next day, Heard went to court in order to request a restraining order against Depp. Morgan Tremaine testified that unlike what Heard said, he was alerted to the fact he should be at the courthouse. And the day after her visit to the courthouse, Heard was photographed smiling with a friend. That's the overall here. But what I've got in this statement is important. This is wrong. This statement that the next day after the incident in May 2016, she goes to the court to request a restraining order is wrong. Uh, she goes on the 27th. The incident, I want to say, is like on the 23rd, something like that. I, I could look at it, but it's definitely not the next day when she goes. In fact, that was something that I noted in her testimony is that she effectively waits a number of days because that testimony also doesn't line up with what the makeup artist says about bruising and coloration. There's a whole bunch of things that pop up there that you could bring up here if you were so inclined to just point out contradictions for everything that popped up in the testimony. But instead, this is the next day she goes and asks, which is an error. Morgan Tremaine at TMZ says he was alerted to be there. And the next day, Heard was photographed smiling with a friend. You probably already know the direction this is going to go. But incident number two, the filing of the TRO. The next day, Amber Heard appeared at a courthouse. Now, errors, although you don't love them, they can be useful. Because Natalie puts this thread together and, all, and makes this error when she's putting it together. An error that is exactly copied in the above the law article. This is the wrong day. Uh, and so at bare minimum, it is suggestive of the fact that this particular article is based on Natalie's research. Uh, and, and is that plagiarism? Again, not getting into it. We will leave that to counsel that specializes in that kind of thing. But we can see these similarities, right? Appeared at the courthouse the next day. The bruise was not seen by five witnesses or body cam footage. Amber Heard testified that she had no idea that the media would be there. However, a former TMZ staff member testified that they were alerted that she would be there. So here's the TMZ alert. And Amber Heard contradicted her own self. It's always evidence of deception. The very next day after appearing with the bruise, Amber Heard was photographed smiling with friend Rocky with no bruise on her face. So in Natalie's Twitter thread, it is the same three planks, right? The next day, which is an error, she shows up to ask for TRO. Morgan Tremaine is there uh, because he was told she would be there against what Amber Heard said. And then the next day, she's photographed with her friend and smiling. And that's exactly what Above the Law used in their argumentation. Heard also alleged that Depp assaulted her with a bottle while the pair was in Australia. However, photographs of the scene showed no smashed phone. Depp underwent medical uh, examination and treatment. Heard did not. And Heard's acting te coach testified that Heard told her Depp's injury was sustained when she broke a bottle. And... We're going to skip one because one of the things that this article does is flip these. You got to be careful, right? You could you can use my homework, but don't copy it too close. So we'll go to incident four here, Australia. 
Amber Heard alleges that uh, JD assaulted her with the bottle. Amber Heard testified that JD's finger was severed when there was a smashed phone. There was no smashed phone in any pictures in evidence. Amber Heard didn't receive a medical attention while JD did. Amber Heard told her acting coach that JD severed her own finger with a liquor bottle. Amber Heard took pictures of writing on the mirror, but not her own not her own injuries. <clears throat> and so you can see as we go forward here that this is the same evidence. This is the same stuff. It is sometimes lightly changed in terms of order, sometimes lightly changed in terms of description, sometimes not at all. Here's Hicksville. If we go back to Hicksville in Natalie's list, they were enraged while both parties were on drugs. Depp grabbed a woman's wrist. Two witnesses, Heard's acting coach and one of her friends, both testified that Depp yelled at Heard but did not grab anyone. And the manager testified that the trailer wasn't trashed. Only a light was broken. And keep that language in mind. So we go back up here. We look at Hicksville. Amber Heard testified that JD flew off in a jealous rage after they all got high on drugs and a woman cuddled with her. Amber Heard claimed that JD grabbed the wrist. He then trashed the trailer and committed essay. Amber Heard's acting coach testified that JD yelled but did not witness him grabbing anyone. So did Rocky. And the manager of the trailer park testified that the trailer wasn't trashed. Only a like was broken. Look at this language. The manager of the trailer park testified that the trailer wasn't trashed, which is a specific word. Only a light was broken is the manager testified that the trailer wasn't trashed, period. Only a light was broken. Only light was broken. Noticeably, not really a sentence. At least it's a sentence kind of fragment that goes along with this. And it's the exact same language. So now we have in this situation a very difficult case for Above the Law's author here to make that they didn't see this Twitter thread. This to me is a pretty smoking gun evidence that at bare minimum, they saw the Twitter thread. And once you've seen the Twitter thread, well then, now we can start talking about how you framed all of this stuff out. And I'm not gonna go through every little detail here. I think we have sufficiently said, as Natalie mentioned, we've got people that are lining up things all over the place for analysis and, and various of these things that I have mentioned here. You can find it in our Twitter thread. It's also linked in the description below. It didn't come out great in terms of resolution. Um, uh, either direction, but you can see some of these matched up things throughout all these documents. Um, and like Natalie said, she's retained counsel to discuss this vis-a-vis uh, -vis above the law. I'm not sure how that will turn out, but above the law is adamant. We've become aware of accusations on Twitter by attorney commenter Natalie Whittingham Burrell of plagiarism regarding this post. Obviously, we take accusations of plagiarism extremely seriously. Both of the pieces at issue here are among the hundreds of analyses of the same high-profile lawsuit, and as such, inevitably overlap in the discussion of points of law and disputed facts. Side-by-side -side reading of both pieces rules out any question of actual plagiarism. We invite our readers to see to decide for themselves by reading her piece. Further, we have the receipts. Our writer sent a draft of her column on June 3rd at 2.12. And as Natalie pointed out, that's a problem because this Twitter thread, which is the real accusation of plagiarism here, not the article that was made out of it, is delivered to us all on the morning of June 2nd with basically exact language taken from it. So it's very difficult for the author to argue that it wasn't otherwise seen. So that's kind of the controversy around all of this. That's the discussion that's been happening. Again, we're not gonna make you know legal pronouncements here in this space. Certainly Natalie alleges that it was plagiarized. I think uh, that there is certainly evidence to suggest that. Um, we'll follow it if it goes any further uh, from there uh, and, uh, you know, go forward and see exactly what happens. So I'll try to pull out some uh, chats now because StreamYard has failed, because all of our super chat stuff 
uh, has died on us. If you do want to snag me for a question here in the last uh, few minutes of the show, put an at Hogue Law at the top of it that jumps out at me uh, if it is working. And it looks like the chat has started back up. So maybe I can put the super chat back on. We'll, we'll, we'll try it. We'll see how it goes. Um, if you do want to do a super chat, um, refresh. And we will uh, uh, we will go from there and see what happens. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> but otherwise, just at Hoglaw me. Uh, it doesn't have to be a, a super chat. Uh, but uh, yes, let's see here. Uh, what else do we have? Um, got the Heathers. I would worry about sending a news outlet an article that they do not use mine, but still publish it under a different name. Well, I mean, you'd have the receipts entirely there in terms of what's happening. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Uh, Hogue Law, any plans for the weekend? Many and varied. Yes, I will be on Legal Bites tomorrow to do a charity stream supporting the LA Children's Hospital. Uh, if you're at all interested in that, uh, we've got some fun plans we're going to talk about. Uh, and just hanging out with all of you that hung out so long with us uh, in uh, the, the trial uh, and helping support some kids that uh, were denied the money uh, that Amber Heard had otherwise pledged uh to give them uh so uh you know come on over there we'll be doing it uh i think early in the morning east coast time uh here in the united states and 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 hanging out uh it really realistically for i think as long as the money uh keeps coming in to to support those kids and 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 i think other panelists will come in a lot of folks that you've otherwise seen in the trial um so we're doing that this weekend uh and uh yeah my daughter is playing in a band at the front of a baseball game on sunday which is pretty darn cool uh so i'm looking forward to checking that out uh, as well. Thank you for asking. Uh, let's see here. I sent you a question via Twitter. I don't have my Twitter open when I do these shows. I'm sorry, Secret Mix Squirrel. I should start doing that in all honesty. Um, what else we got here? Crystal Hoglaw question, plagiarism versus copyright infringement. Sure. Well, so plagiarism is kind of a conceptual form of copyright infringement. Copyright infringement would be the legal situation. Plagiarism is really more of an ethical kind of accusation um, as I understand it, but yeah, if you want to, if you want to go after someone, it, it really is about stealing uh, the copyright that you have in your work, which affixes when you create something, even on Twitter, uh, it doesn't require you to register it. It doesn't require you to do other fancy things. So I don't know what direction, uh, Natalie is likely to go with this, uh, but certainly you'd want to ask somebody that is more expert in plagiarism and copyright and that kind of theft, uh, than me. So I say, uh, I know enough to be dangerous, uh, which maybe I should put on a shirt, uh, but that's that's realistically what it is. I know enough to talk about these things with some level uh, of, of expertise, but certainly not the, not the person where you end up with if you want to bring some kind of copyright or plagiarism claim against another person. Um, you're not ignoring Secret Mix Squirrel. I'm doing my best. The whole system has broken down behind the scenes. I think we're actually looking okay here, despite the fact that we don't have uh, half the things that we usually have in terms of buttons. Uh, let's see here. Uh, what else we have? Bradley Rogers. Hoglaw, would you ever do a video on how buying a sports franchise works? Uh, maybe. I mean, I, I don't think that it's vastly different from buying an equity position in any other kind of company, but I have to admit, I don't have personal experience buying a sports franchise. I don't have a lot of billionaire clients, uh, here at Hoglaw. Uh, so possibly. I know a little bit more about uh, company mergers and acquisitions, uh, but it could be could be a good could be a good topic. Um, Cyan League, Hoglaw, I'm new to your content. My question is: Are you optimistic about the future of the lawyer world? 
Yes. I'm optimistic in general in life. Um, and I think that there are advancements coming in technology. There's certainly ways that we can talk with all of you about information about the legal system uh, that will hopefully increase what is generally called access to justice, that we can lower the resource costs necessary to seek redress for injuries, to get the court system working in a more efficient manner. The law is very, very slow, and we're in a period of time where it's not taking advantage of all the things that it could be and that rules about lawyering and lawyers are preventing the legal field from getting out and allowing more people to access at reasonable rates. But I believe that that will happen. I believe that more people will be able to get good legal advice more regularly and that in terms of understanding all these processes, whether it's on the business side with me or on the litigation side with basically the rest of the lawyers on YouTube, uh, people will have a better understanding of what's happening uh, in the news and elsewhere. Um, so yes, I'm always optimistic. Uh, Jennifer, thank you so much for the super sticker. I really appreciate it. I, you know, I have no idea what's going on uh, behind the scenes here. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Thomas Brown at Hoglaw. What instrument does your daughter play? I'm a musician myself. Bass, guitar, saxophone, drums. She's a flautist. She plays the flute. Um, uh, what else here? Um... I think that's about it, it looks like. And again, if I'm not seeing certain chats in this window, I very much apologize. Uh, but I think this has been a very fun conversation with Natalie. Uh, as I said, go over, check out her channel. Um, and you know, next week, we're really going to be trying to do some headlines that aren't about Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard. I actually thought that would be happening this week more than it did. Uh, but the journalistic output has suggested that it was still a hot story. I think that will taper off. And I think we'll be able to talk about some fun other things. So if you have other stories outside of Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard that you think would be good analysis and doesn't just need to be, you know, an article that you think is horribly written or that needs to be taken down, but just something that you find interesting that you think would be a good discussion to have in this place, DM me. Absolutely. I will see those. I will get those. I may not be able to respond, but I certainly try to as much as I'm capable of. Uh, and certainly all of us together can help find fun things to talk about in this space. We can talk about some tech stuff, certainly. And we talking about some other interesting things I saw in the Washington Post, perhaps, um, that relate to other uh, journalists and other coverage outside of Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard. And we will continue to have fun in this space. I also want to mention, some folks did see last night, we put up our first episode of Just the Headlines, uh, which is going to be our endeavor. Uh, and my blessed editor is already working on this in terms of a backlog since we've been doing this for just under a month now of the headlines that we will pull out of these videos so that you can just see the analytical discussion about the stories themselves in a playlist that you could watch over and over again. Send to your mom for Mother's Day what have you, uh, because some folks don't like the hangouts and don't like kind of the random nature of just conversing. I do like it. I like that there is a certain amount of spontaneity and community building with respect to those hangouts and other people can pop in as they want or don't want at their discretion. Uh, but just the headlines, I think, is a great idea to allow those folks that just want to see us talk about what happened in those stories. So that's why you will see those. At some point, you'll probably see a big bulk upload of those. Uh, as we get into covering all the headlines that we've already talked about and putting those up. And then the goal will be to actually have something like this video go up and have only, you know, the 45 minutes where we specifically talk about the headlines become 
a headline video either that day or the next day, something close in time to when we actually had the live stream. So that's the plan right now. Uh, and thank you so much, everybody, for hanging out with us this week. We're still figuring out the schedule. I think right now I'm leaning towards four days a week, uh, but it might be five, might be three. Don't know yet. We're still figuring out exactly how that will look. Thank you so much for bearing with me. As we do all of that, for dropping in so often, for 3,000 of you being here at before nine in the morning on the East Coast, have a fantastic Friday. Have a wonderful weekend. Please do come in and check out uh, the charity stream at Legal Bites tomorrow. I know there isn't a time yet. That's because Legal Bites is moving some things around, uh, but there will be a time announced for that. It should be in the morning on Eastern Standard Time here in the United States. Um, so please keep your eyes out for that, and I will see you on the next episode of Virtual Legality. Thanks, Sally, for the super sticker. I really appreciate it. Have a good one, everybody.